Why, hello there, my human fellas, my fellow humans. This is To Be Determined. It's a podcast thing. Episode 40 with Corby Mitleid, author, psychic medium, all around bright light, beautiful person. She uh, graced her, her, her presence on the show and uh, completely took away all my preconceived notions of what I would believe a psychic medium median medium <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a driver what do you expect psychic medium would would be it's just not she she uh and we actually discussed this in the conversation so listen for that um just an all-around amazing person check the show notes for her social media pages and all that fun stuff tiffany my beautiful sister if you're listening this is the uh, wonderful person that I was telling you about. I think you will absolutely love this show. Anybody who has an interest in spirituality, an interest in what it is that maybe things we don't understand or energies, how we feel, if you, you feel like you can feel auras, energies, all that holistic stuff. She is the first holistic guest that I've ever had on this show and probably, you know, save conspiracy theory people that I've had on here you know she's probably the most different I think um yeah I think uh you you guys will love this I believe I believe in in my heart of hearts that uh you guys will enjoy this conversation um please check out her stuff if you do go just uh make sure you you let her know that TBD Center. All right. TBD has sent you. All right. Let's get to it right after these sponsors. Hello, my fellow humans, my human fellas. Have you ever been interested in possibly doing real estate? or becoming a real estate investor yourself, maybe doing a fix and flip, or you have a property you wanna sell. If you're in the Denver, Colorado area, you can contact Tim Holly at timholly.jparmodernre.com or text TBD to 720-664-4205. That's TBD to 720-664-4205. Certified tarot master, past life specialist, psychic medium, full time. Okay. Well, this is Corby Mitleid, and uh, she says, "Do not refer to her as the R word." But uh, <laughs> she is. Uh, you are my first holistic guest, so oh. I'm. I'm. I'm actually really excited about this. I have. Um, one of my one of my dearest friends is a very holistic type person, and she will absolutely love everything you're probably going to say. So uh, let's go ahead and just start off with uh, who you are and uh, what you do there, Corby. Okay. Um, 
This is what I call one of the 30-second elevator speeches. Uh, I am a full-time psychic medium. I've been reading since I was 18. I'm 66. Uh, I've read coast to coast and into Canada. I have clients worldwide. I'm one of the uh, major channels in Robert Schwartz's uh, book series on life between lives and pre-birth planning. And I've written three books of my own. Uh, one of them is self-help, and the other two are on uh, the world of WikiWoo, as I cheerfully call it. <laughs> so 18, or 16, you said. 18, when, 1973. Oh, 18. Senior in high school is when I started writing. What gets you into that? What What was it? Well, obviously, most psychics have a, an intuition or some kind of... Uh, no. no. What, well, so what was it for you? When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And instead of thinking, ooh, that's scary, or ha, 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 I thought, and your point is, I knew there was magic in the world. I wanted to go find it. Fast forward to 1973. That's the year that Live and Let Die came out with Jane Seymour as Solitaire, the reader. And I was working part-time at Spencer Gift, senior in high school, make a little money. They had the James Bond 007 tarot deck, and I bought it because we were all hippies then. We had the fringe jacket and the elephant bell bottoms and the tarot deck. I mean, go see Rocket Man. That's my peeps. Uh -huh. um, five years later, everybody else was doing uh, roller skates and disco ball. I was still reading. I, cards were fascinating. I love the stories they told. So for about 20 years, I just read for friends, making sure that my ego was out of the way and I could be a clear channel. All of a sudden, in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's when I figured that the universe was handing me my draft notice. Greetings. Hello, you're working for us. So I did it part-time. Meanwhile, I had careers as an actress, an author, an inspirational speaker, a legal assistant, wrote for a very famous graphic novel, fantasy series, video producer, and executive recruiter. But the psychic work was still on the side. 9-11, as we watched the towers burn, I turned to my husband and I said, I need to do this work full time. People need to know there's another answer out there. And he said, I believe in you could do it. So for one year, I still worked the 70 hours a week as an executive recruiter, as a headhunter, and did the work evenings and weekends in the psychic stuff. As soon as I knew I could make a living at it, said goodbye to corporate, and I've never looked back. Wow. Now I read about 1,200 people a year. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, because you said that you have a fairly busy schedule that's a mm. we we're talking about setting you six up. days yeah. a week baby yeah that's that's amazing when you said that there's another answer out there after 9-11 what what you want to expound on that a little bit that this is not that somebody is good and somebody is evil and satan is doing it and jesus will save it's, no sometimes you simply look at what happens that what what do i need to do how does this move the planet forward on a karmic and spiritual level. You know, um, George Floyd, you cannot convince me that his soul did not sit down with his guides before he got here and said, I can really change the world if I'm willing to make it a short stay. And so he agreed to that because he was a courageous soul. You think back into the 90s, Maddie Stepanek, that was that genius poet kid that was always on Oprah and had the disease and that killed him at 12. Not, it wasn't bad karma because he deserved the disease. It was that he knew he would make more of a difference, more of a resonance in the world that people would remember if he had a short stay. 
That's hmm. how these things work. God doesn't do grishes. And grishes, for those who don't know, it's Yiddish. It means you stick in the knife and you twist it to make sure it's good. No, God does not do grishes. <laughs> so you're saying that there's always a there's always a reason or a purpose for for what happens. Yes. Now, that's not as simplistic to say everything happens for a reason, because some of it is free will. Um, people say, how can you have free will in pre-birth planning? Same way you can go to college. Um, I went to Brown University and I wanted to be a theater major. That's like your pre-birth plan. Now, I could have taken gut courses or a double major plus lab, which I did, theater and creative writing. And that's free will. You can either do the easy things in life so you get through relatively unscathed, or you can take a lot of wrong routes, but you learn deeply. Either way, you're going to graduate, that is, cross over when this life is done with the lessons that you chose to learn. That's why good and bad karma doesn't make sense. Karma is five things. Unbalanced energy, um, which is a neutral, healing, service, contrast. You want to learn about abundance. You have to be a rich life and a poor life and healing of beliefs. When you understand it that way, it's much less the kindergarten version of you're a good person, you're a bad person. Right. And I I noticed uh, that's one thing as I kind of got into Buddhism and um now more of the Gita just through conversations and stuff They karma is different here in the West as it is in the East, you know? And I think a lot of people misconstrue that as some kind of magical being sometimes that, you know, you're because you go out and do bad things, you're going to be punished by karma. And uh, it's definitely a lot more to do than that. That's what they wish would happen. Right. That's why they believe in good karma. God, he's such an SOB. I hope that karma bites him in the ass. Well, maybe not this lifetime, honey. (laughs) Or maybe it already has and you just don't know about it. That's right. That's (laughs) right. Or maybe whatever that person is doing is your karma reacting to theirs. You know, it's, it's, there is like, there's, there's so much caveats that go into rationalizing, Mm -hmm. you know, our day to day lives. How do you feel? that your what you provide to people is i mean obviously your your probably people coming back to you consistently is probably one ag- action but how do you feel that like tarot reading and psychic reads and stuff like that benefit or could benefit a majority of people do you think it's kind of an end all be all would it for for society yeah. or would it be yeah what do you think how does that as far as like reacting one to thing me. i'm not special y'all can do what i do we're all wired like the same house plan the other way i explain it is we all have 10 fingers all of us can pick out chopsticks some of us want to devote time and we practice our scales and we do our lessons every and we eventually become pretty decent one in a million million is elton john okay but we all have 10 fingers that's the way to look at psychic work Some of us really, really got passionate about it and wanted to learn. Some of us, it was like just a duck to water for whatever skills we had. And some people are just scared of it. I say that their circuit breaker is unlocked and rusted shut. Nothing's going to get through. (laughs) But, you know, the most important thing is to find a psychic that doesn't come across as my aura don't stink. I'm so fabulous. Don't go to anybody else. You find anybody like that, run the other way. Because their ego is trampling all over their talent. 
Ah, uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So how does it, so when, when you say everybody can do this, what is the, uh, like I was telling you, like some people have this premonition or intuition as, as a young, mm-hmm. you know, like, like the, the typical comic book story or the movie story, like where's the reality versus the fantasy? Some people do get that, and some of us come to it because we got frog, frog marched there by spirit. One thing that is anecdotal, but I'm beginning to suspect, has something. Most of us that are really good got a crack upside the head when we were kids. Seriously. Like a legitimate, uh, when I, like a literal crack. Literally, when I was four years old, <laughs> and this was back in Camden, New Jersey in the 1950s when it was still a nice little town, uh, the best sledding hill was Kramer Hill. And so I was on my sled and I was going down, but nobody in my family had remembered to teach me how to go off the sled. So I slammed into a concrete bench, wham, right at third eye level. Of course, I was rushed to the hospital. Nothing cracked, nothing at all. Scared, bruised, but that's it. But that's a crack upside the head seems to be something that if we are intuitives, shakes something loose. Um, I guess, remember when we buy something in the store and it has a battery in it, you've got that little cellophane tag that if you pull the tag, now the battery is connected and now things work. Maybe whacking your head is like pulling the spiritual cellophane tag. Who knows? <laughs> but we all that. have a little tag. That's a great so, analogy. <laughs> I, no, alleg- uh, allegories are the way I love to tell stories because yeah. people see the pictures and they get the idea. Right. So uh, that's beautiful, though. I, I I really love that. It has to do with the the. I can't remember what movie it was, but the guy, the little kid. Oh no, I, no, I don't remember. But anyway, he has a. Uh, he's asking him. He's like, "How come? How come he could?" he can see spirits or whatever. And he says, uh, is that the sixth sense? Maybe I with the flashlight people. analogy, he was talking mm. about the flashlight and he's like, Oh, how come yeah. I can, how come I can see them sometimes? And he goes, he's, you, you got a dim flashlight. He goes, your kid's batteries are a lot better in his flashlight. So, okay. But I, yeah. it's a, I like that. I like that. Now, as far as, um, your work outside of, all your psychic stuff. Do you do, mm-hmm. do you have like a show or a podcast or a YouTube channel or anything? I have a YouTube channel. Yes. Oh, okay. um, and that's got things like meditations on it. I did an 11 week series called teen crones that has interesting talk on it with uh, an absolutely fabulous bruja named Katrina Rasbold. Um, I have some uh, videos about certain card spreads to use because I'm a certified tarot master because I love figuring out the new spreads. And I'm not someone who just goes, well, wait until October and fire the redhead if you ask me about career. You ask me about your new business, I'm going to pull a card for you, a card for any partners, a card for the energy around the business, the brick and mortar location, how to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know, and best possible outcome. I do that. Sorry cat for analogies. Um, I do that because yes or no questions give you nowhere to go. If you said, will my business be successful? And I say, no, I see you losing everything and living in a box under a bridge. Where the hell does that get you? If I show you all of the possibilities, I hand you the toolbox. I'm not the repairman, but you can take that toolbox and you can make it what you want it to 
be. That's why I don't count myself as a fortune teller. I'm an intuitive consultant. Big difference. Huh. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I uh, So with the tarot cards, I remember when I was in high school, um, this guy that he was a senior, I was a freshman, and uh, he used to give me a ride to, to school. And um, he said, he said something really weird because I didn't understand exactly how it worked out, but he was, he was, he had some tarot cards and he was saying that, um, cause he was, we were talking about like, where do you get them? Cause I can't remember where he got his, where mm-hmm. do you get them? He goes, well, you can't go. Cause he was, somebody was like, Oh, I saw some at Spencer's and, uh, he, the, the, he said, no, you can't buy them cause it curses the cards. <laughs> <laughs> she's, giving, she's giving me a thumbs down just so you guys know yeah no guys look you do not have to wrap them in silk you do uh, not have to have somebody else give them to you um because it's really important there are lots and lots and lots of tarot decks out there with all kinds of different artwork and you have to choose the ones that sing to you now the deck that i have used since 2013 the year it came out is the Tarot Illuminati by my buddy Eric Dunn. It's won all kinds of awards. Um, It is based on the Rider Waite deck, but for instance, the King of Wands, you can't see it, guys, because you're just listening, but the King of Wands is uh, a Middle Eastern emperor type. One of the things that Eric does is he gives each of the minor arcana, the suits, a different nationality. Wands are Middle Eastern, pentacles are Asian, Swords are Elizabethan England and cups are Russian Scandinavian. But at the same time, the basics of the card are the same. It's just that I love the artwork and I really can get into it because good readers don't just tell you exactly what it means from a book. Good readers let the cards tell you exactly what you need to know. Um, One of my favorite examples of that, there is a card called the Three of Pentacles. And the tradition shows some laborer working in a church building, and he's standing in front of a stained glass window. So you assume that it is uh, a mastery card. You assume that it is a card for long term. Uh, In my deck, again, um, you've got a large building, you have the three pentacles, but in this one, it's Asian. Hmm. What I read in Canada years ago, there was a couple who came to me and they were thinking about new careers. And I looked at this card and all of a sudden out of my mouth came, there is a deconsecrated or abandoned church within two or three miles from here. And that's where you need to open up your cafe bakery. None of which they'd told me about. Zip. And they looked at each other and they looked at me and they said, yeah, we know which one it is. We've been arguing for two years. Wow. <laughs> That's not from the book. That is someone who knows to open up upstairs, see what you are being told. And huh. it takes time and skill. Okay. So you, okay. So you're, you're saying that's more experience based. And so uh, what, I guess, what was your, or if you had one, did you have a religious background upbringing when you when you were a kid? Your parents, I mean, I was a nice Jewish kid from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. You know, that's it. Jersey, oh, that's Jersey. where that's where that. But it's is. South Jersey. It's not North Jersey. <laughs> 
you know, I mean, the old saying is, how do you know someone's from Jersey? They'll look at you, look at them and say, what exit? They're really from Jersey. If they look at you and say, Turnpike or Garden State, then you got a real. So I was at exit four, which was Cherry Hill right across from Philly. So uh, that's awesome. You, you can take the girl out of Jersey, but you know. yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, your aura, your persona, I, I, I picked it up. I just, I have a friend that's from Jersey as well, and I—that's what it was. It was that's what was but resonating. I don't with me. sound like Philadelphia. <laughs> I don't say Wooder, and I don't say that the football team is the Eagles. So no, this is Jersey, Jersey. <laughs> yeah, that's Jersey, Jersey. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, with so, what kind of reservations did I mean when you're I, like you said? There's certain people that their locks are just rusted, and you'll never get them to open up with anything. But with uh, you taking on what some would consider, quote unquote, evil, demonic, satanic, being Jewish. Well, Jewish tend to be a little more pragmatic. At least some do. My family still mostly doesn't believe in what I do. They do now. But when I started, I mean, you know, my, my brother looked at me and said, well, shrimp. That was my nickname. I was his little sister. As long as it's not illegal. And to this day, he doesn't believe it. He just yeah. cannot believe anything I do. He tells, people I'm a mo- he tells people I'm a motivational speaker. Fine. My father, on the other hand, now he was my best friend. We shared the same birthday. For my first four years, I thought I came in a box with ribbons. What did I know? Mm-hmm. And But he understood the spiritual side. He was very Lauren Isley type. You know, when I die, I will be uh, the atoms in the world, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, Dad, trust me. When you cross over, you're going to unpack your bag, sign the guest register, get the orientation tour, and we'll talk. And he just looked at me and said, I hope that's that's really what it is. <laughs> Three weeks after he died, I was – I the weekend that he died, I moved in with my then fiancé for the first time. So, you know, it was, it was a hard process. But I had just moved in, and um, Carl and I were – getting to know each other and finding pieces fitting the way newly engaged people do. And we had just had a a real good breakthrough. And all of a sudden I feel something toward the front door and I look and third eye, I see it's dead. And I just completely break down crying hysterically. But after about 30 seconds, I look at him and I yell, I told you. And there's this wave of laughter. So, and to this point, when I do medical intuitive stuff, if it's cardiac, dad will very often pop in because he was a fabulous internist cardiologist. You know, what do I know? I fainted blood. So. Wow. So did with, with, with that ability, does it, is it like, are they just telling you, like, do you, could you watch like a cardiac or talk to somebody about a cardiac thing? And then automatically you have these frame of references that you just spout out, or is it, Sometimes. The example that you're looking for is, again, about 10 years ago, uh, around uh, the Thousand Islands area up in New York, I was reading a woman. She was 74. She was still a nurse. Good for her. She said, can you just do a a general check? And I hear, feel a rustle of a coat behind me, and I point to the empty air, and I say, I'd like to introduce you to my father, Dr. Dorkin. Uh, He was a fabulous internist cardiologist when he was alive, and he still does consults. So I open up, and remember, I know from nothing. First words out of my mouth are, what's with the T waves? She looks at me. 
She just had an EKG with abnormal T waves. What did my father do for 30 years as the director of heart sta- of the heart station at a hospital in Jersey, but read EKGs? Uh-huh. So I look over my shoulder and I grin and I say, you know, you're still a pretty damn good doctor, even if you are dead. And he laughs. Um, <laughs> does that happen all the time? No, it does not. Because frankly, if you're a really good professional intuitive, if something is not particularly in your wheelhouse, you find someone that it is. The best medical intuitive I know in the U.S. is my good buddy, Stacy Wells. She and I are both in Robert Schwartz's book series. And she is a medical intuitive that can literally see into your DNA. Wow. She's found brain tumors that people have missed. She found my third bout of breast cancer before the doctors were looking. And she's good. So if someone has a serious health thing, I'm not going to be the little family doctor that guesses. I'm going to send her to the specialist. If somebody comes to me about uh, attached entities or curses, et cetera, et cetera, again, not my wheelhouse. I will tell them, run, do not walk to my buddy, Katrina Rasbold, and her husband, Eric. Um, They run Crossroads Occult in Shingle Springs, California. She's written a ton of books. She's a Llewellyn author, and she, that's her wheelhouse. Hmm. You come to me for what I call the everyday tour bus, house, car, job, kids, okay, God, you put me here, now what? Yes, I talk to dead people, but I'm not dial a dead. If Aunt Rose is on a field trip, she will not be on the phone. Yes, I can talk to spirit guides and angels, and my specialty is past lives. You know, spirit looks at what we have and says, let me see what what we can do. For instance, a lot of people use a pendulum. I don't. Why? Because I have a very slight benign tremor in my hand, kind of like Catherine Hepburn did. And so I don't know if the yes or no I'm getting is real or the hand shaking. So I don't bother with that. But on the other hand, theater major at Brown University, University, history freak, and a writer and a storyteller. So if someone comes to me, instead of, well, I see you in a long skirt and a big hat, so it's old fashioned, which is what a lot of past life people would do, I will go, okay, hobble skirt, picture hat, that kind of an ostrich feather. You're standing in front of the Brandenburg Gate. We're talking Berlin in 1911. Which one's going to give you more information? And I didn't get that all of a sudden. The universe went rifling through my file cabinet and said, we'll take this and this and this. And I love doing it. Um, So that's why there is room for so many people in the world. There are 8 billion people now. I can't read them all. Please, if you think that you can do the kind of work I do, have at it. There's room for all of you. Right. It's like podcasters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly uh, so. The uh, concept of, of past lives is interesting. The Have you done it? Can, let me back up a little bit. Can you actually um, read yourself? Or does ego get in the way when you try to do stuff like that? Well, it's how I first knew that I could do past lives. Uh, there were two, three specific. The very first one I picked up was in the l- mid to late 1980s. Um, but that was before the hands-on healing and the dead people and all that. This is when I was still just reading cards. But I had this inexplicable attachment to the lead singer in a Philadelphia rock band at that time. And I'm not a groupie type. I'm just not. Um, 
but I did some work with someone else and we had figured out through a process called rebirthing. I saw this person and me only I was blonde and I knew that it was 1783 or 1784. Scotland. I don't know from Scotland. Um, So we picked up bits and pieces of what that life was, but I still didn't know who this person was. Well, working with this person, she and I were having linguine and clam sauce at a mainline seafood restaurant. And all of a sudden I heard Baron Gordon, what, no, Marcus Baron Gordon Huntley. That was it. And I'm thinking, what's this double title stuff? So I went to Debrett's Peerage, which has all of that. And in 1752 was born Alexander, 12th Marcus of Huntley. In 1783 or four, I don't remember anymore. He was made Baron Gordon of Huntley. Marcus Baron Gordon Huntley. So that's how I knew who this was. And once I figured who it was and why the attachment was there, the lesson I needed to learn in this lifetime completely broke. Hmm. Looked at him and it was like, nothing. The other thing that I did, which really is what pushed me into this stuff, was in 1991, I went to the old Rhinebeck Aerodrome with a guy I was dating at the time. And I knew nothing about World War I. I was scared of Germans. I mean, you know, growing up Jewish, you're scared of Germans. Everything. So it was like, okay, I'll go to Rhinebeck with you, but then can we go to Woodstock afterwards? You know, okay, because <laughs> they're, they're near each other. So we saw the French planes and the English planes and the Italian planes and the American planes, couldn't care. All of a sudden, boom, there's an Albatross D5, German. There was this soundless explosion in my heart. Um, and then it was followed by a Fokker DR1. That's the Red Baron's triplane. And as it went over my head, the two things I thought were, there's a story behind this. And I flew that. All of a sudden, overnight, I had to learn German. I was fascinated by the pilots. And I would look at pictures. And some I couldn't stand. And some were my best friends. And, and, and. So that I was able to figure out the past life from there, which I'm not going to go into in, in detail here. But did I figure out who I was in Germany in World War One? I? I absolutely did. And when I show a picture of myself, and especially when I was at this pilot's age in my late 30s, and me now, people say, oh, my God, is that your grandfather? You look so much like him, which is not surprising because a lot of us will retain certain facial features, um, the the cast of the face, if you will, from life to life to life. Interesting. So is it so does does the does the past life necessarily mean some sort of, of lineage that's attached to it or is it it's lessons uh, for one thing, uh, the German pilot that I was was very anti-Semitic. And mm. I was born into a Jewish family this time to learn the other side. Yeah, the life between when he died in 1917 and I was born in 1955, he came back very quickly, 1918 in Chicago, an Italian-American. Um, I apparently had an affair with my husband at that time, best friend, went into the hospital. This was in 1949. And... Um, the baby was stillborn. I was so upset that I was talking to the nurses about it, but the nurses were nuns. This was the Catholic hospital. And I was, you know, Italian Catholic. So 
the nuns then decided that God had taken the innocent to, to his bosom. But when I got sepsis and childbed fever, the uh, nuns decided, well, this is God's judgment on her. And I was left to die in filth and agony. And I knew when I was 13, before any of this really started, that I could not have children, would not have children. It would destroy my life. Now I know where that came from. But I'm 66. I was never born with a mommy gene. I do not regret not having kids. But at least I know where that's from. Right. That's interesting. It kind of brings a whole new light into the whole being your own worst enemy. You know, like it does. <laughs> it does. But notice that um, a couple of these lives are very, very ordinary lives. Do not come to me and say, I must have been Anne Boleyn because I can't wear turtlenecks. <laughs> Honey, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> with uh so <clears throat> how do you approach or uh, when 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 let's say let's say i'm a client or whatever and or a potential client mm-hmm. and i tell you uh, i'm interested in your services um i want to know about do i tell you like i have a problem or well or... first thing if you sit down with me uh, if you say i can you tell me about your services i'm going to send you to my website where everything is described right when uh, especially if you decide you want a general reading, which is all the practical stuff. When you sit down with me, the first thing I'm going to say is, what is the most important thing you want to walk out of here knowing today? Because even as fast as I am, I cannot read your entire life. And I don't want to spend time on your business if what's, excuse me, really bugging you is your youngest child is having problems in school. So, and when you just go, I don't know, everybody knows something. So you go blank on me. I will go Brooklyn on you. And I will say, (laughs) what's biting your butt? Because when you put it that way, everybody says, oh, that, boom. (laughs) And we discuss it. Because the most important thing is I don't care if I amaze you with my wiki woo. That's not why I'm here. I'm here in service. So I want to make sure that we cover the things that are particularly bugging you that you come to me for. Now, there are also a couple of consultations that I do, which are really more my reverend collar. One of them is your sentence of passion. Your sentence of passion is not who you are or what you do or even how you do it. It's your vapor trail. So when you go skidding into heaven on bald tires and fumes in the tank and God hands you a beer and says, so you get to say, I did this. Isn't it cool? So my sentence of passion is cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. When I can take somebody from point A to point B when they thought they couldn't make it, whack them on their shoulders, say, here are your wings. You don't need a flight plan. Now get, I'm living my bliss, but I've done it in every single job I've ever had. And a lot of people don't know what they're here for. The other major consultation that I do is a soul plan reading. It's like what I did for Robert Schwartz. Um, People come to me with a single problem. Um, Why is it I've never gotten along with my mother? Why can't I seem to find a good relationship? I keep making the same mistakes. Uh, Why did I choose to come in um, with a body that gets sick all the time? And things like that. When they do that, because that's the kind of work that I did for Robert Schwartz. But what people need to understand is in every one of Rob's books, each chapter whether it was on parenting handicapped children, death of a loved one, whatever, there was 40, four zero hours of psychic work among his channels. When I'm doing it on my little onesies, I, I will spend about 10, 12 hours pulling down as many past lives as I can get for you, talking with your 
higher self to find out what they need you to know, doing a complex numerology report. And then we go through it. And when people understand why, when they see very often, it's not that you were a bad person, but this is what you chose to learn. Um, it makes all the difference in the world to them. Um, and if you go on to my website and you look at past lives, you will see a very truncated version of some of the soul plans that I've done. You get the question at the top, what they were wrestling with, and the past lives that reflect what's going on. Okay. That's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so the fear and you were worried that we couldn't fill the time to talk silly man right. <laughs> right. well the your your what was it what'd you say that fear to fearless fearlessness yes that, fear to fearlessness is that one of your books you have three books right um yes that's not one of my books the first oh, okay. one is clean out your life closet which is the self-help that's clarity adaptability simplicity and making friends with stress but I don't say do everything I tell you when it all gets better. That's what most self-help books do. And I can't stand it. There was one I read, I'm supposed to avoid all food with leptin and do yoga four times a day. I mean, if a woman is a kindergarten teacher in Milwaukee with two of her own kids, she's not going to do that. <laughs> so she's bought the book and it goes on the shelf. She never reads it. The way this is structured, each chapter is, here's some of the stupid things I did. Here's maybe a client story. And here's some stuff to think about. And then. At the end of each chapter, I have what are called the adventure pages, which ask you, you know, what you need. For instance, there's a chapter on finding happiness with what you have right now. How good are you at finding happiness in the moment? If you aren't good, what do you think stops you? That's not something you're going to find in the book. That's something you're going to find in your life. Right. So with that book, if you go through and answer all the questions at the end of each chapter, that becomes your personal manual. And your best bud could have bought the book at the same time. But if she does all those answers, her book will be different. So that's the self-help. The other one is The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. The idea is good psychic guidance is art. Don't settle for a forgery. And this is a book for people who don't necessarily want to be a psychic themselves but want to consult one. This keeps them safe. It tells them what we can do, what we can't do, what questions to ask, which ones not to ask, when to run if the psychic tries this. Um, there's no other book out there. And again, I don't say, and I'm the only psychic you should come to. This book will work for you to keep you safe no matter who you see. And the third one that you talked about, again, it's not out there. I was on the road 45 weekends a year. I'd put 36,000 miles a year on my car. Um, my nickname was the Travel Channel among friends. But Spirit kind of saw what was going to go happening with the year of Hold My Beer last year. And so in summer of 2019, herniated disc, pinched nerve, agony. I finally got better, but then the doctor said, your traveling days are over, Petunia. No more long drives in the car. No more loading in and loading out of your heavy gear. You're done. So I had moved everything online. But I still had all this knowledge. So this book is specifically, You've Got the Magic Who Needs a Genie, The A-Lister's Guide to Holistic Expo Success. Because I worked in business and corporate 
four years. So it isn't just hang out your shingle and hope. For instance, part one, the basics, choosing which fairs to do, designing your booth look, dress for psychic success, choosing a front person. Then it's the social approach and marketing and the intangibles and self-care and the grab bag. No one else has done this. Now, admittedly, this came out in March of 2020 when everything went bluey. So no, it has not sold that well. But now that people are coming back on the circuit, it it is beginning to pick up. Because again, it's everything I learned. You could follow this to the letter and you still would not be the psychic I am because your methodologies are different, how you present is different, what your specialties are is different. You will, you can't be me, not because I'm so wonderful, but because you're you and me, I'm me. So you will be exactly the right psychic you need to be for other people. But that'll tell you how to make sure that it pays your bills. The, the, I think the, uh, so the, all, the, the packing all your gear, and <clears throat> excuse me, the, the slip disc and all that, that was from yeah. attending these, these holistic expos. Is that what that was? From? Yeah. Yeah. And wearing four inch heels when I was younger. But, um, <laughs> for instance, let's take the show that was my absolute favorite. It was up in Kitchener, Ontario. Uh, it was first star psychic fairs run by the fabulous team of Stan Mallow and Ray Fauché, who had both been in psychics themselves before they went to the other side of the booth. So I'm in the car. It's a seven, eight, nine hour drive. That's Thursday night. So I get up there and I'm in the B&B Thursday night. Friday is load in, load in about noon. The show opens from three to nine on Friday, then 10 to nine Saturday and Sunday and 10 to six on Monday, at which point I've read 70 people. I've done two lectures, sitting on a hard chair in a booth for hours at a time, load my gear out, and then go home. And you do the same kind of thing every weekend. Now, uh, U.S. shows usually only go two days. Canadian shows go three, possibly four. But that's exhausting. And um, you can't see it. It's covered. But all of my show gear is on those shelves back there. I had a 10 by 10 booth. So you had your curtains, you had your setup, you had the table stuff, you had your signs, you had all the gear to read with, you had the advertising, and, 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 and. And so that literally stuffed my trunk and my backseat. It was a lot of work. Loved it. But now I can do this work at home and I leave that stuff to the younger puppies. Gotcha. So is it... How's the uh, the psychic? Uh, I mean, it seems like that would be kind of almost a competitive area. Or does everybody just kind of let you do your own thing? Or are they? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Which was it, the purpose for the second book? <laughs> probably. I mean, one of the the most important things that I learned really early was from a very very wise woman who said, remember, these are your colleagues. They're not your friends. Now, have I made friends with some of the people who have been on circuit? Abso-freaking-lutely. But they earned my friendship outside of the show. Um, One of the examples of someone that was inappropriate, she is passed on now as well, um, 
a client came to me, and this is someone that had come to me time and again with the same questions year after year, and I finally was becoming a good bartender, and I was going to cut him off. I told him, you're not listening. You do not find this information. No matter, you bring the same questions. You cannot keep doing this. And this person was listening in, and because she didn't know any of the backstory, thought I was so mean, and I wasn't a good light worker, and I must be touched by the dark side. And she didn't say that to me until she had gossiped to everybody else at the show. Of course. Um, and does that happen? Yes. One of the things that I, you, you just, as an A-lister, you cannot let that bother you. You just can't. People used to say to me, how can you possibly say hello to the rookies and bring them over to your table and show them everything and give them copies of everything you do? I say, because they're not me. There's only been one time when someone actually plagiarized my stuff and I landed on them hard. It's a shame because we had been good friends, but you don't do that. You just don't do that. That's poor business practices no matter what. But the kids deserve mentors. They really do. No one is going, no one is funny like I am. No one reads cards the way I do because not only do I do tarot, but I always have six to seven different Oracle decks that I use and I'll read two or three or four decks at a time on a question. Oh, wow. Um, my style will be different from everybody else's. So was there jealousy? Oh, hell yeah. When I say A-lister, we're the ones that even if the show isn't doing well, we'll be the one or two or three psychics that'll still make the table and come out with some kind of a profit. Hmm. The other thing is I didn't try to tell people my aura didn't stink. A lot of people say, well, I am second generation this and I had this. You know, They're all terribly serious. And I'd be funny. I'd say, all right, wait a minute. You need to get paper trained here. And I would hand them my rack card and I would do my spiel. And then, you know, I would find out, are you rookies? If they were rookies, I'd say, okay, three rules. You need to go around, see everybody first, collect stuff, be paper trained like good puppies, then go through it and read it and come back and talk to three or four of us that feel good. If we're busy, talk to our front people, but remember our front people, we hire them to say they love us. Read our testimonial books. We all have them. And the last thing is check in here. You're putting your hard-earned money on the table. Check in at heart chakra. If the psychic doesn't feel like they have a brain in their head, they really give a damn about what they're doing, or they're going to give you good information, don't go there no matter how cool the wiki looks on the table. And if nobody here rings your chimes, leave without a reading. There'll be somebody else sometime else. <laughs> that is more bloody honest and practical in-your-face talk than I've seen any other psychic ever do. Mm. So the people that wanted glurpy purple with angels, hi, let's sit down and see what your angel has to say to you today. They did not come to me. <laughs> you want funny? You want to be hit upside the head with a clue brick? That's my peeps. Right, right. That's how it works. And I, I love your practicality, though. It's it's a very it's it's thinking pragmatic and holistic is is a little bit wonky for me. I feel like it's you're teetering on a line. I'm uh, I am a very pragmatic, um, scientific driven person. Good. But I know there's a lot of things that 
we don't know as a species or mm-hmm. we don't know just in general. So yes, I always kind of keep my beliefs as agnostic. I feel like that's a good bouncy spot on the fence that I can decide to uh, lean one way or another. I think yep. when you're trying to tell people, it, it sounds like with what you guys, well, you, but what even at a, at a convention, these are people that are looking for help. Yep. So it's, they have to be open initially to even come to you guys otherwise i mean like have you had skeptics come to you and, and- oh yeah i love my <laughs> um i mean now there are some people that i just won't deal with the ones that come up to me and say well tell me something you couldn't know about me and if you're right i'll have a reading with you i smile and say i'm sorry i don't roll over and fetch either and i turn my back and they do not get a reading at my booth <laughs> um but as far as what they believe look I don't care if you are Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, Muslim, pagan, or believe in Ralph the Wonder Dog. I really don't. All you got to do is know somebody up there loves you, wants the best for you, and is willing to work with you. Those people we can get through to. People who think there's nothing to this and they want to prove something, well, thank you for sharing. You may think that if you wish, but the door's over there. Right. I have to prove myself to anybody. Right. And then they're the people that try to bargain with you. Well, you're sitting around doing nothing. Why don't you do a reading for half price? At least you're going to make money. Or um, can I come in with my girlfriend, but we only pay for one reading? (laughs) Or do a free reading for me. And if you're really, really good, I'll tell everybody that you're good. And that'll get you a lot of business. Right. Or the ones who say, well, I really want a reading, but I can't afford it. And they stand there and they stare at you, hoping (laughs) that you will feel guilty enough. Or my favorites. What do you mean you won't do a reading for free? You're not very spiritual, are you? And I turn that around. And with each one of those, I show them where it wouldn't make any sense. You would not walk into the salon owner and say, well, you're not doing anything. How about cutting my hair for half price? Or to the plumber, why don't you fix my dishwasher and install my new uh, faucets, but I only pay you for one service call? Or clean my house a couple of times, and if you're really good, I'll tell everybody. Or I really want that dress for my prom. Stop. Stare wait or to the doctor what do you mean i have to pay you you just want me to get sick and die you're not very compassionate and they all go that's ridiculous and then i say so was this (laughs) you know i mean let's look at it to go to a psychic let's take the kitchener one i'm on the road for five days that's gas tolls food my hotel my booth fee paying my front person And, you know, not only my own exhaustion, but being away from my family for five days. Yeah, you're going to pay me. And you're going to pay for the fact that I am a certified tarot master and a certified psychic medium. And I'm in books and I've written my own books. And I've been doing this longer than Moses was in diapers. So, no, I'm not your $5 psychic, honey. Deal with it. Right, right. I I can't imagine. um, Yeah, I never, I honestly never really thought about a convention. For, for psychics. Um, it's not a convention. It's expo. Now, expo. There is, there What's the is difference a between a convention and an expo? Um, a convention is where we all go to experience each other and learn. There are tarot conventions, and we don't do uh, readings there okay. for the public. Okay. We go and learn gotcha. from people like Mary Greer, Jessica Macbeth, you know, the masters. An expo 
is like, you know, you have an RV expo and you have the career expos and this is a holistic expo. You not only have readers, but you have jewelers, you have massage therapists, you have people, you know, the, the holistic healers, you have product and you have the readers. And this book specifically works for everybody, though there is something of a psychic slant simply because that's what I did. Gotcha. Okay. That's very interesting. The, um, yeah. See, like for me, I don't think that I would, I've never considered going to, maybe I did at one point, but mm-hmm. where I'm at right now in, in my mind and space, it was kind of funny. I had a guy that I was talking to about um, business development. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was watching him, one of his social media things and, and he kind of said some stuff. He's like, you know, I offer consultations and stuff like that. And I, I know he's a pretty successful guy. And I, I kind of reached out to him thinking, you know, and then he, he asked me like two questions, two or three questions. And I realized that I'm not where I thought I was. <laughs> so I stepped back and then I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to do this first. And then when I run into the roadblocks that I think I have, I'll maybe look to somebody for that. If let's say for my uh, personal business development or personal growth, you said you handle business stuff. You said something about- I have one client out in California that's been coming to me for years. They're an IT firm. Okay. Yeah. So are they, do you have reoccurring customers then? Is that what it is? They just come back? I would, oh yeah. Um, Like a chiropractor? No, no. Because that involves how often you go to a psychic. So let's take this IT company. They're out in LA. And they come to me saying, we're thinking about taking the company in this direction. Here are the people we're thinking about hiring. Uh, This is another company that wants to merge with us. Is it a good idea? Now, they know that I use both my right brain and my left brain. The right brain is the wiki wheel. The left brain is the fact that I was an executive recruiter for engineering and manufacturing for years. I used to place people in six-figure jobs. So I know how that industry works. What that does is that informs how I do the spread and what I see. And yeah, they've been coming to me for six years, seven years now, so I must be doing something right. But it's only a couple of times a year. And it's always different questions, which is fine. You know, if you said you wanted to open up a business and I did your business spread for you and six weeks later, you come back to me and say, gee, that was great. I did everything we talked about, but here's how things are shifting. Let's look again. You would be welcome back to the desk. The time when I send you away like the good bartender is even if you only come to me once a year, but it's always the same questions about the relationship or it's always the same question about why you're unhappy or it's always the same question about whatever. And I know that I've told you the same thing for several years and you're still not doing it. You're wasting my time and your money. And right. I'll say, I'm sorry, I just can't read you anymore. Right. I'm not doing you any good. The other thing I do is I tend to downsell my services. Most people, you know, upsell. You wanted this, but let's get you something three times as expensive. No. I don't do that. And that's one of the other things that my clients really appreciate is I will get them the information in the shortest amount of time and with the least expensive reading. Because we're not groceries on the table. In that sense, we're a luxury. And I'm not going to hook somebody in. I mean, the reason that I wrote Yellow Brick Road is because of something I saw at a big Toronto psychic fair, like 200 booths. I was across from a fake gypsy. 
they're the ones who have the jingling jewelry and the headscarf and the bad Russian accent, and you can be gypsy. So this woman walked by the booth, and the fake gypsy runs out, grabs her arm. That's hooking, and it's as bad as the other kind of hooking. And she says, oh, you no need to pay $30, $40, I did your palm for 10 Come. Drags her into the booth. 20 minutes later, a whole bunch of us see the client leaving, crying hysterically. And some of us rush over to find out what's going on. Apparently, the psychic fake gypsy said, oh, you have a family curse. How many in your family? Four. You have dog? $50 every family member. 25 for a dog. He smoked. We fix. And told the woman if she didn't burn 400 specially blessed candles at the Roman Catholic Church. I bless real good. Only $1 candle. Her entire family was going to die in a car accident in two weeks. And she believed it. Wow. That's why this book. (laughs) Yeah, wow. (laughs) You would think... People are just so grateful to know that there is a psychic out there, and I'm not the only one, I'm sure, who aren't out just for the money, but who really want to help, and the cost is secondary. Yeah, I think that's very detrimental, too. Those those types of people are the reason they're skeptics. You know, mm-hmm. those are the- <laughs> That's right. That's why, even if you never come to me after reading that book, that's fine. All boats rise. Right. All right. of us have a better reputation. Wow. That's a, yeah, that's absolutely crazy. I, uh, I loved this conversation, Corby. <laughs> this is, you're an amazing person. We'd have fun. Oh yeah. You're an amazing person. I, uh, I'm going to definitely, um, I have to, I've got pretty much all your links. You emailed me like everything. I'm going to yes. probably grab yes. the, I'm going to probably grab a couple of your books. I think I'm, I have one of them I want to, uh, like I said, I want to give to my friend. I'm going to have to let her know about this. And in fact, I'm going to text her when I get done and let her know that I just talked to one of the most amazing people I've ever met. So just so you're, you're aware of that. This is tea, not booze, Uh, but that's fine. Order them through Amazon. And Mm -hmm. the other thing that I'm going to say to you and everybody else who's listening, if you order any of my books and you like them, please leave a review. When you're self-published, as I am, until you have at least 50 reviews, your books are kind of shoved in the back behind the pickles. Okay. So reviews, you know, they're wonderful and we need them. And I'll say thank you right up front. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, so Amazon and I'll post those links in the show notes. Is there anywhere else that people can get a hold of you via social media or? Oh my God. Yes. You can't avoid me. Are you kidding? Um, (laughs) You've got my website, CorbyMitlai.com. You can see my Facebook page, which is FireThroughSpirit.com. That's where all of the um, interesting metaphysical stuff goes. Um, You've got Instagram, CorbyMitlide. You've got Twitter, CorbyMitlide. Again, the YouTube channel has guided meditations and card readings and some other stuff. And there's going to be a new stuff, uh, a new short set called Corby Gets Candid. We're working on that too. Um, If you really want to support my work and come on the inside, I have a Patreon page. Oh, excellent. And yeah, right now, uh, one of the perks for all my Patreon peeps uh, is once a month, we do a Zoom together and I'll do a meditation specifically for you. I'll do readings. It's basically, y'all can have me personal for an hour or two. So that's one of the other reasons that uh, Patreon works. So yeah, they're going to find me. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Again, thank you, uh, Corby Mitlide. 
aka the rev (laughs) (laughs) i i I appreciate your energy you're so positive and i think that um you kind of changed my perspective a little bit on psychics because like i said i'm more of a pragmatic person and i'm not a skeptic by any means but i i tend to be a, a rationalized and you're so not what i was expecting from being I was expecting the gypsy with the bells. I was definitely, I was expecting the, or, or the uh, flower bouquet in your hair with the long sundress, like maybe something like that. Yeah, you expected the the fake gypsy or glurpy purple with angels. No way. (laughs) Ain't no way. Ain't no way. (laughs) All right, Corby. Well, thank you so very much. Uh, Thanks for being on the show. And uh, I look forward to checking out all your work. It was a real pleasure, Eddie. Take care. Take care, sister. Bye. I don't know. What did you think? I thought it was pretty good. Get back to us on anchor.fm slash TBD dash podcast. Let me know what your thoughts are on that, on that uh, conversation. Let me know if this is something you're interested in. Let me know if this is something that maybe I should start doing tarot. I've been thinking about it. As my buddy Eric was saying, he was calling them tarot cards. I'm not sure how the universe would respond to tarots, but there is room for growth obviously so but uh again check the show notes for all of corby's um social media pages her books uh let her know that tbd it's podcasting sent you there if you set up a session with her get back to me i'm curious um if it's something you're willing to talk about and share on what you're doing i'm probably going to do a session with her uh just to satisfy my own curiosity and just to kind of hey you never know maybe there's some answers out there that i'm looking for that she might have you know so it's a possibility but uh i hope you enjoyed it i hope you enjoyed the show this was episode 40 with corby mitlide have a great weekend have a great day um hope the best for you take care bye